read to you today and then begin to just develop its thoughts with you a little bit as we are a week removed from Easter now. The passage of scripture that I want to read to you is out of John chapter 20. I'm going to read verses 19 and 20 and then verses 24 through 31. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you take them and open them up and follow along. And if God begins to speak to you about things in your life, just go ahead and underline that particular passage. It will be something that can remind you of what God is doing in your life as you look at it at future dates. The word of the Lord says, When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Moving to verse 24, it says, But Thomas, who was called Didymus, or the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Heavenly Father, I pray that in these next few moments that we are together, that you would do a work within us and take your word and unlock it to us so that we are nourished by it. It is the fresh bread of heaven for us. And Lord, we so long to be in your presence and to learn of you. And we ask that you would bring an anointing of your Holy Spirit into every living room, into every kitchen and dining room, and wherever it is that people are watching from this morning. I ask that through the anointing of your Spirit that you would touch us and draw us to yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was a 10-year-old boy, we had something in our backyard living in the Midwest that was called a burn barrel. And all of our neighbors had one. When we had garbage that was full, we'd just take it out to the burn barrel. We'd light it on fire and burn it. And as a 10-year-old, we began to recognize, me and my friends, it would be neat if there were some things that we threw in the burn barrel just to watch them burn. I remember one particular afternoon that there was a, a blue plastic pail that was sitting there. And, and so we decided, hey, let's throw this pail in the fire just to see what it looks like as, as flames begin to engulf it. And we threw it in. And of course, being 10-year-old boys, we got up as close as we could as we're looking into this barrel. I'm watching it as the flames begin to turn it from a, a solid into a liquid, and it begin to be kind of a molten plastic. And suddenly, as I'm looking into this burn barrel, there's a pop of wood underneath it, and a piece of molten plastic flies in the air and lands right on my arm. I did not know how loud I could yell until that very moment. I remember running and screaming and trying to brush it off, but by the time I had done that, it had left a pretty significant scar that I keep to this day. That's my scar story. Scar stories. I would imagine that you have one or two. Some of you may have a bunch. 
but I'm guessing that everybody that's listening to me has a scar story somewhere. Some of your stories are painful. Some of them are probably funny and we would laugh if you told us. And some of you have scars that are really significant and they're easy to see, while others may have scars that you can barely see. Some of your scars are filled with shame. Others of you have scars that you're really, really proud of. Yet without exception, every scar seems to serve as a visible reminder of wounds which we have incurred. I did learn an interesting tidbit this week as I was studying scars and just figured I would throw this out to you for those of you that may not have known, but did you know that there's one part of your body that cannot scar? And that is your tongue. I have discovered that the tissue that it is made from, for whatever reason, you can puncture it, you can tear it, you can bite it, and it will always come back and there will never be any scar tissue in your tongue. However, your tongue can leave scars on others. Just a little extra for you to think about today. Many of you are familiar with the story of a man by the name of Dave Reaver. Dave is a Vietnam vet who has told his story all over the world. When Dave was 20 years old and his wife was 18, they were married. Receiving a draft notice, he remembered thinking to himself that if I join the Army, I'm going to have to go to the infantry, so the Navy sounds way more safe to me. So he had joined the Navy. On the day that he left for Vietnam, he kissed his wife goodbye, and as he turned to walk away from her, she standing there yelled out his name and said, Davy! And he stopped in his tracks, and he turned around, and he looked at her, and she said these words to him, Are you coming back? He reports in his story, he says, I lied to my bride, and I told her these words. I said, I will be back and without a scar. He said, I did not know then that she would not get the man that she married back in the same condition that she had sent me. Dave Reaver had been in Vietnam for eight months and was on a river patrol boat, and his job on this boat was to throw phosphorus grenades into the shoreline to burn down any of the excess weeds and to blow up any booby traps that were there so they could have a better view of what was going on. On this particular day, he said, I stepped to the front of the boat and I pulled the pin on a grenade, and as I was getting ready to throw it, I did not know that there was a sniper that had trained his crosshairs on me. And in the middle of my throw, when my hand got right beside my head, he shot and his bullet hit the grenade and it exploded right in his hand. He said, all of a sudden, my world is a picture of horror. I don't know. But for whatever reason, I did not lose consciousness. He said, I remember looking down and I saw my face laying on my boots. He said, I looked a little closer and so much of my chest had been blown away that I could see my heart beating. I'm standing there and the skin is dripping off of me from the phosphorus that is burning. And there's a loud ringing in my ear because my ear had been blown off. My face was blown off. My hair was blown off. And the phosphorus that was consuming my body literally cauterized the arteries and sealed them and kept me from bleeding to death. Dave recalls, I lost more than my hair or my ear or my nose or my face or my chest or my back or my fingers that day. I lost my identity. On the bank of that river, he recognized that he would never look like Dave Reaver again. He said, no one would ever look at me and say, oh, that's Dave Reaver on the basis of my previous identity. Now I'm known as Dave Reaver because of the scars on my body. 
You can read more about this at thereaverfoundation.org. The sermon today that I want to share with you is about scars of hope. I know that that seems like an oxymoron. How can scars that are formed only by pain be filled with hope? In our Christian faith, hope is symbolized by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many of us wear the cross as a sign of hope around our necks, yet the cross was really a symbol of torture during Roman times. So how did this symbol of torture become a symbol of hope? The Bible tells us that on Easter evening, the news of Jesus' resurrection was spreading all over the world, and the disciples were assembled together, and they were hiding in a room. They were behind a locked door. They were in fear and tension. And into this atmosphere of isolation and locked doors and fear of the future and the tension that everything had just changed steps the presence of Jesus. And he speaks these words. Peace be with you. Thomas wasn't with them at that time, but he was a week later when they are hiding behind the same locked doors in the same house again, when Jesus appears again without coming through the door, and he repeats to them, peace be with you. There are three points that I want to make this morning quickly. Number one, Jesus' scars established his identity. His scars are a trophy of his victory, and his scars teach us that he understands our suffering. Jesus' scars established his identity. In John chapter 20, verse 27, we read these words. Then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. You know, we know precious few features about the details of Jesus' resurrected body. It was the same body in which he died, yet it was not only restored to life, but it was changed. He was still human, but now he's glorified. What was sown perishable had now been raised imperishable. He could pass through doors and walls without even opening. That really fascinates me, and I can't wait to try that out when I have a glorified body. The Bible says that he could eat solid food, even though he probably didn't need food to be nourished. It said his natural body, which died at Calvary, was raised and transformed into a spiritual body. His body was new enough that those who knew him didn't recognize him at first. But it was also familiar enough that in conversations with him, they soon knew that it was indeed him. And among the fascinating few details we have is one of the most interesting that I'd like to focus on, and that's that he had his scars. Notice that before his appearance, the disciples were hunkered down in fear and they were locked in a house, yet once they saw the scars of Jesus, a transformation occurred. And they begin to rejoice. I, I, I read this and I think, how ironic is it that seeing someone's scars is, that was produced in him by great pain provided them joy and hope? It is here in this passage when Jesus shows his wounds to the disciples and then to Thomas a week later. 
that we first glimpse why the scars of Jesus are so significant. What if Jesus had appeared to the disciples without his scars? Is it possible that they would not have been able to trust that this man was truly the risen Lord, the one who they had seen die on the cross? No trace of scars on him would have made them question if Jesus was really fully human as well as fully divine. It would make us question if Jesus truly understood human pain and suffering that we go through. The scars of Jesus, these scars of hope, are significant to our faith today. The disciples looked upon the very face of Jesus, but even then they doubted. There was a majesty about him which most of them had not seen. Now, if you know your New Testament, you know that Peter, James, and John had seen him transfigured. But the rest of the disciples had only seen him as a man of sorrows. They'd not seen him as the glorious Lord, and therefore they would be prone to doubt whether he was really the same person. But these nail prints, his pierced side were marks which they could not dispute, and they were all convinced. It is often thought that the disciples and Thomas asked to see the wounds, but if you'll look closely at the text, you'll see that it was Jesus who initially offered to show his scars to them. When the resurrected Jesus showed Thomas his scars, Thomas recognized God fully revealed in Christ. And he declared, my Lord and my God. When Jesus showed the disciples his scars, he was saying to them, here's my signature. Here's the evidence of my identity that I am the risen Savior alive. And here are my scars. Secondly, the scars of Jesus are the trophy of his victory. Christ bears these scars in his body in heaven as ornaments and his trophies. These wounds of Christ are his glories. They are the royal jewelry that he wears and the precious things that he has. I remember a few years ago when I was in Walter Reed Hospital, I visited with a young soldier that had been badly wounded. He'd been hit by an IED and there were head wounds that he was recovering from, massive wounds from this explosion. And as I was sitting next to his bed talking to him, his mother was sitting on the other side, and, and we began to talk a little bit about what had happened and the scars. And he told me, he said, I want you to know that these scars are not a disfigurement to me. These scars are an honor. He said, because it was earned in a battle that we were victorious in. Now we look at Jesus and we recognize that the scars in his hand and the scars in his side, the scars in his flesh are glory in his eyes. He has other trophies, of course. We of which who know him and respond to him and love him and serve him, we are trophies of his grace. We are trophies because he's taken us away from being in captivity to an enemy. He has redeemed for himself so many that no man can number those whom he has won to himself. We who have received his forgiveness are all trophies of his victories, but his scars, these are the memorials of the fight, and these are his trophies, for he alone 
holds those because he acted on our behalf. I was reading this week, and I read a story of a young mother who showed up at one of her son's sporting events, and she was wearing pretty large knee braces on each knee, and as she sat down, she complained to the person beside her how much her knees were aching. The person who was there looked, and and these were the kind of braces that had holes in them, and she could see through these holes that there were some pretty large scars in both of the knees of this young mother, and she looked at her, and she goes, oh, did you just get over knee surgery? And the young mother said, no, no, it's another story that I have about these scars. She said, I have a toddler, and he was running near a pool, and I was so afraid that he was about to fall, and she goes, I jumped out of my chair and ran, and I scooped him up, and as I did so, my momentum carried me, and I hit some very slick, wet tiles. She goes, I was seven months pregnant at the time, and I recognize that as I'm sliding, I am about to do a face plant on some very rough cement. And she said, in that moment, I had a decision to make. I literally am carrying my toddler son, and at seven months pregnant, knew that if I fall, I could land right on my son and perhaps damage my unborn child. She said, my only other option in a split second was to fall and throw myself on my knees on that rough cement and hope that with my momentum, I could hold my son and roll over to my back. She said, without hesitating, I did that. I threw myself on my knees on the rough cement, and the moment that I hit that cement, my knees split open and began to bleed everywhere. All of my weight landed on my knees. She said, and so I have these scars and I have to wear these braces. She says, but it's a small price to pay knowing that my toddler and my unborn child was okay. As I read that story, I began to think, this is just a minuscule example of the immense sacrifice and love that Jesus Christ has for us. There was really something amazing that happened when death was leaving its scars on Jesus, death without realizing it destroyed itself on the cross of Jesus Christ. You see, when death spilled the blood of Jesus, when death drank the blood of Jesus, it drank its own poison. When Jesus died on the cross, death thought it had won the victory, but its temporary victory was destroyed because In itself, there were two things that Christ brought that death had never met before, both of which were fatal to death. The first one was the innocence of Christ. Now, as long as man was innocent, he could not die. Adam lived as long as he was innocent. And now Christ was about to die, but death drank innocent, sinless blood, and death died. All death had ever taken before was blood of men and women who were under the curse. But this God-man, Jesus, was by nature not under the curse. It was for our sakes that he was born into this sin-cursed world, but lived a perfect and sinless life, and so he was not dying under the curse. But the Bible says that he took upon himself the sin of the world, to fulfill the judgment that demanded sin's penalty be paid by death. And he did not die for anything that he had done, for he was innocent. Death drank in the blessed and innocent blood that had never, and that had never in history been done before. All the others had been under the curse. And this was the destruction of death. The second thing that death had never met before, and have never met anyone before that had this, was 
killing somebody who had life in himself. When death drank Christ's blood, it drank life. For his blood is the life of our souls. It is the seed of our eternal life. And death finding that it had drunk life into its own veins, life in the form of Jesus' blood, gave up the ghost, and death itself is dead. For Christ has destroyed it by the sacrifice of himself. That puts into a brand new light for us, the passage of Scripture that we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. It's almost mocking the way this is written. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? You see, the scars of Jesus are an eternal reminder to death that it destroyed itself when it drank the blood of the innocent, life-giving Savior. These were the weapons that Jesus had that day, and that is why his scars are his trophies, and he will wear them for all eternity. You see, we are the beloved children of God, for whom Jesus took the fall. Christ suffered on the cross and endured unimaginable pain on our behalf. And so someday, when death comes to claim me and when death comes to claim you, child of God, it will step aside because of the man with the scars. Someday, when Satan stands to condemn me and he stands to condemn you, child of God, he will be shut down and he'll be commanded to silence by the man with the scars in his hands and his side and his feet. Jesus has the greatest scar stories ever told. And thirdly, scars teach us that he understands our suffering. There are so many people that right now think God doesn't understand my pain. But the scars of Jesus tell us differently. They serve as visible reminders that in addition to be fully divine, Christ was indeed fully human as well. Jesus felt deep pain, and through his resulting scars and resurrection, we are able to feel deep and complete redemption and renewal through him. We are able to feel hope. We are able to be born again and made brand new because of the scars of Jesus. It seems that this is the predominant reason why Jesus wanted his disciples to see his wounds so they could understand the hope that these scars represented to them. Jesus, our Lord, in the glory of his resurrection, still bears the wounds of his experience of God being with us on this earth. The resurrection did not remove his human experience. The risen Lord still bears on his body the scars that speak of his solidarity with human suffering in all of its forms. These scars serve as a reminder that God is with us through all things, especially those things in your life which you consider to be appalling, those things in your life that you consider to be destructive, those things in your life that you are dealing with that are life and death issues. The image of the risen Jesus with wounds in his hands and his side remind us that when we suffer, so did our God.
When we cry out in loneliness, so did our God. When we feel abandoned and alone, we remember that when Christ hung on that cross, he yelled out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For those of you that believe you're just thrown into this world and that the world turns and life is all there is and you die alone, I want you to understand God is not standing at a distance, but rather is one who was willing and who is willing to completely enter in to the reality of your pain. So when we suffer, we know that Christ can say, I've been there and I have the scars to prove it. Christ's scars become part of our story, and our scars become a part of God's story in our lives. The scars of Christ today stand as a wonderful illustration that they are scars of your hope today as we deal with the wounds in our own life. It seems that there are some scars that we love to show off. There are others that we want sewed up, and we hope that there's never anything left to be seen of them so that nobody knows that we had a wound. Yet scars, whether they are visible to the eyes or not, are something that we all have in common, something that everyone shares. We've all experienced pain, both physical pain and emotional pain in our lives. Yet we are so often reluctant to share them with anyone. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's, it's hard to tell the bold truth about our lives and admit how we were hurt. It's uncomfortable and it's risky. And yet, as we share our vulnerabilities with one another, we can experience that same type of transformational moment as we move from fear to joy that the disciples did when they were exposed to the scars of the risen Jesus. Above all else, I hope that we can celebrate joyfully that Christ's redemption is greater than any wound that you may have had. He is greater in his ability to heal than you could ever dream. In fact, he can take your scars today and turn them into his testimonies of faithfulness as he brings healing to your life. Let us never forget that Jesus Christ took the fall for us. And his scars offer hope for all of us. Did you know that the only man-made thing in heaven will be the scars of Jesus? That's it. The only man-made thing in heaven. You know, some people who are watching today, you've stopped going to church. It wasn't just because of this isolation. You had stopped before that because... Some of you just found that church wasn't authentic. Authentic is kind of a fad word for you think the people that go to church really aren't true to life. They're not really real. Some of you have left church because you believe that church pretends to be something that it isn't and that we dress up our scars and cover up our wounds and that we're not really dealing with the real issues and challenges of life. And some of you believe that you won't be welcomed with your scars that your scar stories are too graphic or too hard and that somehow you'll be rejected. If that's your excuse today, I want to tell you, I believe you're wrong. We, the people of God, are called to be the body of Christ. We are all broken. It's Jesus who brings the healing. It's by his grace and by his love. 
We are a scarred and broken people. And we've all deserved death. And yet we have encountered this risen Savior who comes to us with his scars that can heal ours. In Christ, our wounds are healed. In Christ, our sins are forgiven. And we are given a second chance at a new life. Just as Jesus' scars are part of his story that he will carry, so his scars can be the testimony of your new life in him. Without our scars, we would be less than real. We would be less than authentic. And without Jesus' scars, he would be less than the one who suffered and died and defeated and killed death in our place. But with them, Jesus stands with us as one who was scarred by suffering and death, yet is alive among us. Who better this morning to lift the burden of our scars than Jesus, who is our life and our hope and our Lord. Thomas said to Jesus, let me see your scars. That is how I know that you are real. He is risen, he is real, and Jesus has the scars to prove it. Listen, I understand today that there are thousands of ways for you to be hurt. But I want to declare to you that there's only one way today for you to be healed. And that's by yielding your life to the one who suffered the scars for you. Whatever you may be going through this morning, let me just have you join me in prayer. I'd like to pray a prayer of healing in your life, a prayer of dedication for you. For some of you that have may have been away from the Lord for a while, a prayer of rededication. And for those of you that have never met him, a prayer that brings you into fellowship with Jesus. Won't you join me? Heavenly Father, today we celebrate the scars that are your trophies of victory that you brought into our life. Your disciples who had walked with you and known you so well didn't recognize you till they saw your scars. And today those scars are our hope. It proves that you did what you said you would do. And for those today who are just suffering in the pain and agony of, of scars, emotional and physical within their life, I pray today that you would show up to them and be a healer. For those, Lord, who have wandered away from the faith and they find themselves now in various stages of fear and anxiety, would you bring healing to them today and draw them back to yourself so that they can once again have a vibrant and fresh relationship with you? And for those today who are hopeless and helpless because they do not know you, I ask right now that they would cry out the name of Jesus, the one who took their sins upon yourself and paid the penalty that they could not pay, that you would draw them to yourself today and as they ask for forgiveness and ask that you would be their Lord and Savior, that something brand new would happen in them and they would recognize that the man with the scars is today their Lord and Savior. I pray your blessing upon each and every life that is hearing these words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.